when I was 16 years old. I decided to surprise my parents with a bouquet of flowers for Valentine's Day. We've always celebrated this as a family holiday rather than a romantic one. I didn't have a car to drive to a florist, but my high school was within walking distance of a hospital boasting a gift shop that sells floral arrangements. Between classes during the week of Valentine's Day, I set off for the hospital by my lonesome, cutting across campus to walk through a network of side roads populated with specialty doctor's offices that keep odd hours. The sort of buildings where traveling doctors mainly hold surgery consultations or perform small procedures a few times a month. The trip there passed without incident. As I was walking back through sad deserted roads with a vase of flowers in tow, I noticed an unkept 1990s car close behind me. While my memory of the car is hazy, I am left with the impression that there were at least two men with whose faces I could not see. Initially, I assumed the driver was simply afraid of hitting me, the reason they weren't passing by. So I made a point of dramatically trudging further in to the grassy shoulder of the road, demonstrating to them that they could safely drive ahead. They still refused to pass me by, continuing to creep along behind a slow pace. Beginning to suspect that the driver was more interested in me than a destination, I began to walk faster. The car confirmed my suspicions by matching my speed. Despite the impracticality of my shoes and the threat of spilling water from my vase, I commenced to run as fast as I possibly could. They hit the gas and again matched my speed. I realized that it was at this point the car was following me, that there was no one else in sight to notice, and I needed to get away. I bolted in to the first parking lot I saw. The car turned in after me. Despite there being only two or three cars in the spacious front parking lot, and there being no other sign of activity at the office, This car did not stop to park in the numerous spaces available there. The driver instead opted to pursue me in the partially under construction back portion of the lot behind the office. It passed every available parking space to corner me against a pile of debris and rubble from the construction coming to a diagonal stop only less than three feet away. Before anyone could emerge from the vehicle, I somehow managed to scale the small prominence of rubble against my back, vase in hand, and jumped from its peak to land painfully on the other side, which fortunately was a plot of undeveloped land within sight of my high school campus. I took a quick peek back over my shoulder to see if they were still in pursuit but the car had sped off after I reached the top of the rubble pile and was now nowhere in sight. They had not parked in the lot at all, 
that had no business there. The driver was following me. I sprinted at top speed and didn't stop until I was soaked with sweat in the dead of winter and panting in the student lounge among my classmates who didn't seem to give a damn when I told them, possibly because our hometown is supposedly a human trafficking capital and the crime rate is outrageous. In retrospect, I should have told an adult, alerted campus security, and called the non-emergency line of the local police station. But I was young, foolish, insecure, and afraid of getting in trouble for leaving campus when I didn't have a signed permission form permitting me to do so. I kept trying to convince myself that I had misread the situation or was overreacting. I don't know what I would have even told the police had I called them. I was entirely ignorant on the subject of cars and couldn't have identified the make of it if I had been asked. And additionally, I couldn't even see the faces of the occupants. I was also worried that my parents would restrict my already extremely limited freedoms if they knew I had been in danger. I feel horrible for having never told anyone and earnestly hope that my secrecy hasn't led to someone being hurt or killed. I believe the only missing people aside from runaway children or elderly adults with dementia in this city right now are men aside from one woman a few decades ago. Whoever followed and tried to trap a 16-year-old girl with flowers at a doctor's office just before Valentine's Day of 2016. Let's not meet. When I was 18, I worked at my college's residence building at the front desk, and I think I almost got assaulted, or murdered. You be the judge. The building operated as a hotel during the summer, so two and a half floors were hotel rooms, and half of the third floor were student rooms. The whole building operated with a hotel key swipe system that was pretty outdated, and all the doors were powered by four AA batteries. If the batteries died, there was a decently lengthy process to replace them and reprogram the door. A dark-haired guy came to the front desk from inside the building while I was working on an overnight shift at around 1 or 2 a.m., and he said he left his keycard in his room. I made him a new one and made my first error of the night. Hotel guests could have as many room keys remade as they wanted, hypothetically. Students, however, were supposed to be given a temporary keycard and charged $2 to be returned when theirs is located. I gave him a new key for his room and asked if he was a student or a hotel guest, and he replied, student. At this point, I should have checked our system to charge his account, but I was caught up doing administrative duties and forgot. I used to trust people way too easily at this job, but quickly learned not to. Later on in the night, Maybe around 3 or 4 a.m., he came to the desk again and said he couldn't get into his room. I asked if he just forgot his key again, and he said no, the door wasn't working. I asked if the light was coming on when he swiped his card, and he said no, so I figured the batteries were dead. 
I told him I'd have to change the batteries, and I went up to his room with him. He asked me for my name and I told him. He didn't tell me his. I opened the room door manually with a master key and told him I'd have to prop it open while I worked on the back panel to replace the batteries. He said, no, it's okay, I'll close it, and closed and deadbolted the door locked. Really fucking weird, but I tried not to think about it. By this point, I had changed the batteries on plenty of the other doors, and some students were iffy about having their doors propped open for their room to be on display for anyone walking by. He also had a thick accent, and I thought he might be an international student, since we had many students from other countries where English was not their first language. I gave him the benefit of the doubt and thought maybe it was also just a language barrier issue. At this point though, I felt like something was wrong, but I tried to ignore it so I didn't freak him out. While I was trying to focus on fixing the door as quickly as possible, he kept trying to entice me to go further into the room, saying his bed was broken and he needed me to take a look at it. There was something underneath it that needed to be fixed, etc. He held out a little gold house key and said, I have a key, go get it, and threw it under the bed. He said there was a leak under the fridge. He kept trying to get me down on the ground, throwing random problems at me. Obviously, I told him no. I'd send maintenance up in the morning to see if anything was broken. I had my back to him, and he asked me if I would take off my glasses. I said, no, I need them to see. His tone of voice changed, and in the most steady, chilling manner, he said, Ella, it's okay, you can take them off. And from behind me, he reached around and tried to take off my glasses. I swatted his hand away, trying to remain composed, and said, no thanks, I need to keep them on. Even though he was creeping me the fuck out, I didn't want to be rude to him. I didn't want to get in trouble if he complained about me or risk upsetting him and having him yell at me. I got up to grab something from the door repair kit, undid the door deadbolt, and opened it up in the process. He jumped toward the door to close it again and told me to keep it closed. I told him no. I had to open it to start reprogramming it from the front. While I held the door open with my foot and grabbed something from the door repair kit, he started playing with the bit of wispy hairs at the top of my forehead and trying to touch my shoulder. I swatted him away again and asked him not to touch me and focused on getting the fuck out of there. He once again tried getting me to follow him into the bedroom, saying the bed was broken, and I went as far as the doorframe to see if I could spot any actual problem with his bed. This is when I realized that he had nothing in his room, no dishes in the kitchen, no shower curtain in the bathroom, no sheets on the bed, nothing. This wasn't his room. My brain once again went back to the international student theory, thinking he had just arrived today and hadn't gotten a chance to buy anything yet, but in the pit of my stomach, I knew something was wrong. I fiddled around with the door for a few more seconds before announcing that it was fixed and quickly gathered the door kit and left. Before I reached the elevator, he came back out without his shoes on to follow me. He tried to get back in to get his shoes and called out, Ella, the door isn't fixed, you need to come back. I went back and opened the door manually and told him that if the door were broken, I'd have to send maintenance to fix it in the morning. I knew he would follow me to the elevator again, so I closed the door behind me once he went inside 
and ran down the stairwell as fast as I could. When I got to the front desk, I checked the computer and saw the room he was in was supposed to be empty. It wasn't a student room or a hotel room. I locked myself in our back office and called campus security. He came down a few minutes later and went behind the desk. I yelled at him to get on the other side and wait, now that I knew he wasn't a resident. He tore the corner off a slip of paper I had sitting on the desk, drew a flower on it, and then put it back on top of my papers. When security arrived, he ran back up to the empty room and tried convincing them he lived there so he wouldn't have to leave. He kept showing them his key, which had decided to work on the door again somehow. They escorted him back downstairs and came to ask me if he really did live there. Obviously, he fucking didn't. That's why I called you guys crying and terrified. He kept interjecting to argue that he did live there, but couldn't even recall his room number when asked. Security asked him for his student card, but he couldn't produce it, so they told him he would have to leave if he couldn't prove he lived there. While they were grabbing his information, I listened from the office and could immediately tell he was lying. The phone number he gave was just a bunch of random numbers. The name he gave was prefixed by, um, as if he was trying to think of a name. When they asked him for his address, he just said, across the street. One security guard asked if he lived in the apartment across the street, and he said yes, but he couldn't tell them what the building number was. He said his apartment number was 1200, but I moved into that building a few months later, and apartment 1200 doesn't exist. When security asked what his purpose was to be sneaking into a room, he just kept up the ums and uhs and saying he didn't know. They'd asked, were you trying to see a friend? Do you know anybody who lives here? Were you here to hurt somebody? And he kept fidgeting and saying, I don't know, no reason, I was just here. At one point, he tried to tell them he was my friend, at which point I poked my head out of the office to say that I literally had never seen him before that night. He left, and we didn't call the police because he didn't actually do anything, but it was still fucking unsettling. Later on, it dawned on me how he figured out that that room was vacant, one of the housekeepers had been using it as her personal break room. A few days later, a housekeeper came to the desk and told me they found the door dead bolted open, the TV on, and a housekeeper inside watching TV. She must have forgotten to close the door when she left for the night, and when the creep let himself into the building, he found it. I never saw him again, and I have no clue what he was doing there to this day. I haven't worked there since last winter, and overnight shifts still give me the heebie-jeebies. When I was about six years old, in kindergarten or first grade, lived across the street from my school, and I mean right across the street. From our front room window, the school property was the majority of what could be seen. I went to this school into my second grade year when the school was shut down by the district. And at that time, most kids were shipped off to whatever school happened to be closest to them. And the abandoned property 
became a community center of sorts for the town of less than 200 or so people. I won't drop the name of the town, but I will say that it's somewhere in rural Illinois, and the estimated 200 figure was in 1989, and that there are considerably fewer people now, as most of the population has either moved away or died, and several of the houses have burned down. Today, the town is even more dried up than it was during my kindergarten years, the last time I visited, it looked as though nature was beginning the process of reclaiming it. I say all of this because it's important that you understand how small this town was. People didn't just randomly show up there. Strangers would be immediately recognized. There was nowhere for them to hide, because the town only really had three streets. All but the end of one of them led out of the town and the lone end of the lone street that didn't offer an escape route led to a dead end with an ancient old cemetery. Another escape route, in a manner of speaking. This town had nothing but a post office, a couple of abandoned buildings that I'm fairly certain used to be general stores back in the distant, distant past, and a payphone. Today, The post office is shut down and the payphone is gone. So keep all of this in mind when I say that a stranger or a creep would have been noticed immediately. It's surprising, then, that I was almost abducted by a stranger in that town. From directly in front of the school. Actually, I think I was abducted. That's the weird thing. When I left school that day, the man was standing in front of his vehicle and greeted me by name. That's what makes this even stranger. The man knew my name. He told me that my mom had sent him to pick me up for some reason or another, though the memory of what he actually said is a bit hazy. It amounts to, your mom isn't at home. She sent me to pick you up and take you where she is. Get in and we'll go for a ride. You know? The usual creeper thing. And I did. There are certain details I don't remember from this point. Why didn't I just look across the street to see if my mom's car was sitting in our driveway? Maybe I did. Where did we go? I don't know. What happened? I don't know. I have the briefest of memories of me sitting in the passenger seat of his vehicle, saying something as we drove out of town. I can't remember what he said. Can't remember what he looked like. I can't remember why my next memory is of us back in my driveway in the house across from school. There's just a large chunk of my memory gone. I don't know if there's something that I blocked out for the last 33 years. Maybe he took me somewhere and did something to me that creeps due to young and trusting little boys. And I just locked it up inside. I hope not. I hope he was some aspiring kidnapper with a conscience who just couldn't accept the enormity of the heinous sin he was about to commit and took me back home. 
I just hope that nothing bad happened. That the lack of memories due more to the entire sequence of events being so uneventful that my developing little brain felt no need to keep it in storage. I've often wondered if there's some way, like through some form of therapeutic hypnosis they show in movies or on TV, to unlock these memories. Or if that's even a real thing. Or if it is, if I even want to venture down that rabbit hole and discover what really happened. Maybe some things should just remain buried. I'm sure you've heard the expression. Don't ask the questions you don't want the answers to. Yeah, I feel that applies here. And maybe someone would tell me that it was all just a vivid dream that a young child had and remembered incorrectly as an actual memory. But this is not the case. A few years ago, I actually asked my mom about it. Do you remember when that strange man took me from the school and brought me back? Oh, yes. Apparently, I told her what happened, because she told me how she went over to the school and raised a bunch of hell over it. And that's all I had to prove even to myself that it ever even happened. Up until then, I had wondered if I had imagined the whole thing. That is, unfortunately, no longer something I can even attempt to convince myself is true. Who was this man? Why did he take me? Why did he bring me back? What happened that day? I'm a big fan of horror. I love a novel and a movie about monsters. I'm an avid fan of Stephen King and Creepypasta. But it isn't Pennywise the Dancing Clown or Slenderman that keep me up at night sometimes. No. It's the real monster who almost grabbed me up when I was six years old and then lost his appetite. Thanks for listening. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. Now look, I'm finna tell you why you need to always lock the door to your car. Alright? <laughs> now, me and my mama, you know, we was together. Now, where we was going, I can't really remember, but, you know, it was a long time ago or whatever, man. But I do remember her pulling up to a stop sign. And I remember she could, yeah, because she pulled up to the stop sign. And, um... It was like we were sitting at the stop sign for like the longest stop ever. Like it was a red light or something. So I remember she looked both ways. She looked to the right. Then she looked to the left. And then I remember her looking at me, you know, through the rear view. And she had like this gentle little smile up on her face. You know how your mama do. You know, your mama always look at you and smile like 
she's just seen you for the first time, but you know, not like your daddy, but <laughs> your daddy look like he tired of you. But you know, your mama, she just, oh, he's my baby, he's my baby. So anyway, just then her face went from like happy and loving to just complete, total worry and panic or whatever, man. Now, I see her eyes go from back, you know, from like to the seat next to me and then back. And I hear the back passenger passenger door open up. And as I'm turning my attention from my mama to the noise of the car door opening up, I see this man getting up inside the car. Now he sit down next to me and he tell my mama drive. That's how he sounded, drive. Now it was a different kind of vibe from this man. Now he ain't really like he wasn't really phased by either one of us being up in the car. Even the fact that he just hopped in the car with people he ain't even know, but he was so calm about it. You know, he ain't really say a whole lot, just enough to get his point across. Yeah, made left right here. Uh-uh, slow down, slow down. Uh-uh, turn right now. Now, he had this long, he had some of that pimp hair. You know, he ain't had like that happy to be nappy hair like me. He had that smooth, slick, you know, that slick pimp hair, man. And it was black and white, you know, he had a little gray and stuff in there and all that. Now, at the time, uh, you know, it, it it looked like his hair was wet because of, like, he put some of that slick stuff in it. But I think it was just wet because he was dirty and sweaty because he probably was, like, homeless or something. And, you know, just uh, making it however he can, I guess, by just hopping in people's cars or whatever. And uh, his clothes and stuff was real toe up, you know, real, yeah, some Air Force Ones on. They was all black. Them mugs were so dirty that I, they might not even been all black. They might have just been so dang dirty. They just looked like they was all black, man. Them shoes was run over, boy. And uh, he just looked bad, boy. I'm telling you, he just looked like a dang cluck, man. You know? Now, I remember seeing his dang toes peeking up out of his shoes, man. And, uh, his jeans and stuff, he had, like, some old, and this how you know, like, you know, this how you know this guy was messed up. He had on some old Jabot jeans, man. Now, for y'all that don't know, the Jabot's was, like, the jeans that was hot back when I was, like, in, ooh-wee, matter, I went, man, shoot, we, we talking about way back, <laughs> You know, yo, what that junk now, man? Y'all look here, look up the Jabot's, G-I-R-B-A-U-D, man. Them junks was hot back when, you know, back in the day or whatever. Now, um, now his skin and stuff, you know, he just had that skin look like just worn, man. Looked like it just made out of leather or something, man. And, uh, you know, like I said, now he was stinking, boy. This man was musty, boy. This man was musty. Forget musty. That man was musty, boy. He had a smell coming up off of him. Smelled like a dang uh chicago polish sausage man with onion extra extra onion, extra extra onions boy now coming from this man it was like this smell that had my nose just that i felt the hair i ain't you know i was young but i grew hairs in my nose that day when i smelled that smell man now my mama could smell it too because she kept wiping the back of her hand across her nose like just trying to rub the smell out of the and, you know, I'm like, look, kid, I'm looking at him. I'm like, I'll say, did you dookie on yourself? 
<laughs> That's how that man smell. But he ain't pay no attention to me, man. He just kept giving her direction and stuff. Now, my mama told the man that she wanted him to get out the car. And her voice was trying to be like, she was trying to keep it together. Like, sir, I need you to get up out of my car. Please get up out of my car. You know, that's all I'm asking you. She was trying to sound like she was under control, but I knew my mama, and I know my mama's soft. So I knew that, like, she was just dying on the inside. But she was, uh, you know, a kind-hearted woman, man. And, uh, you know, even her yelling usually sounded like singing, man. So the man, you know, he ain't paying no attention to her. He's he still giving things to turn right there at the, turn right there at the uh, corner store. Yeah, turn at the corner store now, turn it. You know, he just... Just still just talking like it's no big deal. So he sat back in seat and said, you know, just right on up the way. Now, I I wanted to, like, just stare this man down. But I really ain't want to get him too mad, you know, because, you know, I'm trying to get as far as the door as I can with my head down and my hands in my lap because the, the smell and just the whole presence of this man was just... Is just too much for me, boy. So I felt the car jerk forward, and I could hear my mama breathing real hard. You know, like she worried about the man in the back seat because she worried about the man. I mean, and I can't say I was really scared of him, but I just knew he was capable of something crazy. You know what I'm saying? Now I was more curious about how he would. You know, could just jump up in a car like that, like, you know, like it's no big dang deal, man. Like, I, I ain't never seen nobody just hop in somebody's car like that, man, and be so cool about it. So I always was taught never take rides from people I ain't know. So where was he going? You know, where does he live? He can't have no house smelling like this. Now, I can only imagine the things that, you know, was going through my mama's mind while she driving this stranger up the street with her kid in the back seat with him, you know, like within arms reaching me. Now, the car keep moving down the road, and uh, then he leaned forward from the seat, and he looking out the window, and he just watching the dang scenery go by, man. Like he in the back of a Uber or something, man, and his hand was on the door handle, and he say, right here, right here. And my mama jerked the car to the, you know, to the dirt to, on the side of the road. And the car was skidding to gain traction to bring the vehicle to a whole complete stop or whatever. Now, the passenger door, he flung it open. And he get up out the car and take off. He ain't even, you know, he ain't even close the door behind him. <laughs> he just got up and took off, man. And my mama took off so fast that the car door slammed shut. And then... I heard her lock them doors. Look now, I'm from the west side of Chicago, K Town. So I don't know. I, let me tell you something. You lock your dang doors right here. Now I stay in Atlanta now, on the south side of Atlanta, and you know it kind of, to me, it's country, man. It's country, country to me, cause you know where I come from originally. So. I, you know, now nah, I ain't got to lock my door, <laughs> man. I could, you know, I'd be in peace, man. I ain't even got to lock the dang car door, even at night, man. I don't even always lock the car door at night, man. When I get to wake up the next morning, get in the car, ain't nothing happen. But, you know, certain places, you need to lock your dang door, man. 
especially if you got a lot of creepy homeless people like this, like old Slick Rick the Pimp walking by jumping up in folk car. <laughs> what? Say, why are you jumping up in my car? You need to jump up in a bath. I would have went through the car wash and let the windows down. <laughs> well, you'd have hit, some, hit him with some water and soap. He'd have been hollering like you pouring acid on him. No, the tape. Stop it. <laughs> Shit, man. I was lead bartender at a pool hall on the outskirts of New Orleans for about 10 years. Our main patrons were older men who mostly lived alone. We were the spot they came to socialize. Many came for long hours every day, whether they played pool that particular day or not. Over the years, many of these men passed away, a few even dying in the building. We had a few fatal heart attacks and a stroke victim who passed before the EMTs could even get there. Sadly, this bar was the last place many of these men had felt happy and needed in their lives, which I think may have drew some of them back after passing away. Also, bars have long been rumored to be favorite hangouts for earthbound spirits who don't realize that they're dead and are craving one more drink or smoke, or possibly a game of pool in this case. There was definitely activity in the bar, though it was on and off. A male voice would loudly say my name directly in my ear with a blast of warm air as if it had breath when I was nowhere near any living person. At the beginning of my shift, the bar was usually empty so I would go into the office to count the money in the gaming safe. I always kept camera feeds up on the monitor, just in case someone came in. I can't tell you how many times I would look at the monitor and see someone sitting at the bar, waiting for service, even though I hadn't even heard the door chime. I'd head out to the bar, only for it to be empty. Most often it was a really pale white guy with dark hair, white tee, and a black jacket. One day, my first customer of the shift came in and sat in the seat that the pasty guy had been in on the camera feed for about an hour or two before. I didn't say anything. I didn't want to sound crazy. I was behind the bar at about 10 feet from the customer when he screamed like a little girl and jumped up so fast that he sent his chair flying backwards. He swore up and down that someone had grabbed his leg and squeezed. He said he could feel the individual fingers and everything. We were the only two people in the bar. He left immediately, still shaking. I saw people in my peripheral that weren't there when I turned towards them. Many times I would be serving drinks and call out, I'll be right with you as soon as I finish here before turning to see no one. I thought it might just be me seeing things, but 
it literally never happened anywhere else except at work. And several times, customers remarked that they could have sworn that they had seen someone who had just been standing there as well. To get behind the bar, you had to go to the end farthest from the entrance, where a section of the bar lifted up like a door. To the right was where the bartending happened, but to the left was a hallway that had the office and rooms with safes and extra liquor bottles, etc. Basically, everything down that hallway had a lot of value and bartenders were expected to make sure that no one came behind the bar or gained access to the hallway. I always saw people walking back there. Not from my peripheral either. These people looked very solid and real. I could easily describe their skin and hair color, outfits, the whole shebang. I would go running back there, check all three rooms down the hallway, and not find a soul. Even though the only way out would have been to pass me, this happened all the time. Whether I was slow or busy, and it actually seemed to happen more when the bar was packed. My regulars were very familiar with this routine, and teased me about it unmercifully. However, word of this did cause my co-workers to begin sharing their own experiences with me, so I was able to get some confirmation at least. The activity which had always been intermittent got real intense for about two months. Then, everything stopped for months. The guy who got his leg grabbed and a few other regulars who had witnessed some things commented on it. So did my co-workers. No more chasing shadows or disappearing customers. It was great. A few months after the activity stopped at the bar, I'm taking a shower at home. A stand-up shower with no tub. And I noticed that the far right corner of my shower seemed very dim. I peeked my head out to make sure that none of our three bathroom bulbs had burnt out. They were all shining away. I shrugged it off even though I had a slightly unsettling feeling. But it was nothing major. This continued for several weeks, although not every day. And the feeling of unease grew. It wasn't always dim over there, but when it was, I swear I could feel it even before looking. The shower is my happy place, and I hated this newfound creepiness invading it. I tried to think of every possible explanation. Seasonal changing of the angle of the sunlight, weather or cloud conditions, my mental state, you name it. However, I had lived there for over five years at this point and had never seen anything remotely like this. I have one tiny bathroom window with thickly frosted glass and a screen, so it has never really affected the lighting in the bathroom, and it's angled away from the shower. As time went on, the dimness grew more pronounced. It now looked more like a diffuse, shadowy mist than a dim spot. The 
feeling of unease began to change too. I started feeling like something was watching me while I showered. I found myself refusing to close my eyes or turn around when showering and seriously considered how long I could go between showers before it became noticeable. I had been trying to convince myself that it was all some kind of stress-induced psychosomatic weird thing my brain was doing or a strange type of vision anomaly, but I was unsuccessful. I finally accepted that there was actually something there watching me at my most vulnerable place and enough was enough. I contacted a friend and told him a little of what I'd felt and expressed my desire to do a house cleansing. I didn't want to do it alone and he agreed to come over in two days. Feeling better about the whole situation, I had slightly smug air as I started my shower that night and lo and behold, there was no darkness, no shadows, no weird feelings. Yes, maybe I had been tripping after all, so to speak. I'm under the water with my eyes closed, enjoying the hell out of my bright, peaceful shower, when a shock of alarm jolted through me. It felt like someone was standing right there in front of me and staring at me hard. When I opened my eyes, the shadow was there and looked different than ever before was much darker. There was a clearly visible oval, egg-shaped center of deeper darkness in the middle of the shadows, although I could still see through it. The top of it was slightly lower than my upper chest. I'm just about five feet tall, and it didn't have hard edges, just kind of diffused out to lighter shadow. The oval was roughly three feet from top to bottom and about a foot and a half wide. I stood frozen just staring at it for a few seconds. It was like my brain was having trouble processing what I was seeing. Then my brain started to work again, and I jumped out of the shower, naked and half rinsed. Ran through the house dripping shampoo and water everywhere, yelling, what the fuck, what the fuck, over and over. It's pretty freaking hilarious to picture it now, but at the time I was scared shitless. Needless to say, I skipped my shower the next day. When my friend arrived the day after, I frantically filled him in on what had happened the night we agreed to do the cleansing. Although I did leave out the part about running around naked and yelling. He had this little smirk on his face, so I asked him if he believed me. And he said, I believe you believe that you saw something. Slightly patronizing, but understandable. Besides, I thought having a skeptic on hand could be a good thing. So I started burning herbs on charcoal and calling in protection. We began in the living room. As soon as I called for protection, my friend jumped and gasped, eyes popping out of his face. He took a few steps back and sat on the couch. He was very pale and his ankles were tightly crossed and his hands clasped firmly on his lap, elbows tucked in, 
sitting very straight. Although he didn't know this, he had automatically assumed a pose recommended to close off your energy or aura. The poor guy looked horrified. He claimed that as soon as I called for protection, a bone-chilling blast of frigid air went straight throughout his body. I was standing right in front of him at the time, and he was amazed that I didn't feel anything. He was completely freaked out. I convinced him that finishing the cleansing was important after experiencing something like that. So he bravely got up and helped me cleanse my place. After we were through, I decided to let the herbs finish burning out in the shower. When I went to the shower, which we had just spent a lot of time in, smoking it out in herbs, there was a single, fat black fly lying dead on its back, right in the corner the shadow liked to hang. We were both absolutely certain that it wasn't there a few minutes before. While I realized flies get into houses, the timing and placement were freaky as hell. I've been here for about eight years now, and that was the first, last, and only time I've ever found one of those big black corpse flies in my apartment. I haven't had any issues with shadows in my shower since. To this day, my friend gets noticeably freaked out when I bring up the cleansing, so I like to do it when we're drinking, and his expressions are even funnier than usual, but I don't think it was a shadow person or demon or anything like that. I think it was a ghost without the energy to fully manifest, but who still like to peep on 20-something-year-old females while they're showering. I never saw or felt it anywhere or any time else while it was in my place. Pervert. I also think it was most likely that pasty guy who liked to mess with me at work, just eventually following me home. But who knows? He's long gone now, probably lurking in the corner of some other poor woman's shower. <laughs> 